great is God's faithfulness. I was sitting here in the pew and just thinking to myself, man, I'm just lonely. Uh, look around uh, this building and buildings here. I just miss you, the church. And so I'm for great, ever grateful for you, the men and women. That Verse 22 through 34. That's Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 22 through 34. I was telling Jenny this yesterday and kind of all week, uh, just asking God what he would have for us and what he would have me teach this morning. And I just came and began to ponder about anxiety and worry, and, uh, which is not something I typically deal with or typically struggle with, but this week, uh, if I took my jacket off, you'd see two big old puddles of sweat under my arms. I, I'm just super anxious. And so even last night I was a study and preparing for this message. Just my own anxiousness was coming over me. I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. And so more probably than anyone else in, in, that's listening this morning, uh, this message is for me. What does God, through Christ Jesus, have for me, have for us, the church, about our anxiety? So let me read the text to us this morning. Well, this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 22 through 34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more important than food, and your body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they neither st- They neither storehouse nor barns, yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory, has not arrayed like one of these. What if God so clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows what you need. Instead, seek his kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell all of your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does God have for us about worry, about anxiety? Again, like I said yesterday, I'll say it today. If we're honest with ourselves, there's some level of anxiety and worry in all of us. The uncertainty. Waking up even today, wondering, you know, as we look around the nation and 
different states are doing different things to quarantine and to keep us in the house locked down. And yet still here in Tennessee, it hadn't gotten to us yet. And so it's just that anticipation. What will happen? What won't happen? When will it happen? Could it happen? Might it happen? It just gives us worry. You know, the word worry from the text this morning means this. It means to be torn apart. To, to be torn apart. Like half of us is over here thinking about this. The other half is over here thinking about this. And we're being torn apart. This is what Corey Ten Boone said about worry. If there's ever a woman that could worry and should have worried, it would have been her. But this is what she said. And we see her great strength in this statement. Corey Ten Boone says this. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. And so as we worry, it's like we're thinking about all that over there. And it's robbing us of what God has for us today. It's robbing us of our strength just to make it through to today. And so Jesus here in this text tells us, how do we deal with our worry? I'm grateful oftentimes we come to the text and we hear this often. God says not to worry. That is true. We see that in the text. But we also see this teachable moment about what we do when we worry. Because we all will worry. And so Jesus says these three things in this text. The first one is this. We must consider God's provision. That's in verse 22 through 28. The next one is this. That we would seek God's kingdom. And the last, that we would trust God's character. So let's look today as we deal with worry. That we must consider God's provision. This is in verse 22 through 28. He says that right here in the text. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Two basic needs he addresses right off the bat. Those two basic needs are food and shelter. We all need food and we all need shelter. And Jesus himself says, don't worry about your food and don't even worry about your shelter. He gives two examples of this. The two examples are how are we to not worry? He brings up the raven and then he brings up the lily. And he says, consider the ravens and consider the lilies. So he says to us, is your life not more important than food and your body more than clothing? What Jesus is saying here, he's reminding us that our bodies It's not our bodies that matter. It's our souls that matter. He's saying, isn't your body more important than that? Your soul is more important than that. How come? Because we remember from Genesis where we are made in the image of God. And so Jesus says to us, we're made in his image. Therefore, he cares about us more than our food and our shelter. And so often, as you see here in the U.S. right now, we are consumed with our food. We are terrified that we won't have enough food. I was able to go, I don't know if able is the right word, I had to go to Costco on Friday to grab some essentials. And I walked in there, and they had all this stuff, and then when I got to the very back of Costco, to the food section, it was as bare as bare could be. I couldn't imagine how much lack of food they had. There was no chicken at all, no chicken of any kind. The only meat product they had was the high-end uh, prime beef that was $70 for four ribeye steaks. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to buy that. But, but we're consumed with this anxiety and fear that we won't have enough, that we'll run out. Uh, toilet paper, paper products, all these things, these essential things, we have all this anxiety. And yet 
Jesus tells us our bodies are more important than that, or our lives are more important than that. And then he tells us to do this. Consider the ravens. How come Jesus would use that bird of all birds? Of all the birds, as he was sitting on that mountainside, looking out into the sky, of all the birds he could chose, why do you believe he chose the ravens? Let me just give you one idea that he gave uh, the ravens as our example. Ravens are a scavenger bird. So the, the, the raven, they were solely dependent on another animal dying. He says that in the text. They don't store up. They don't reap. They don't sow. They don't gather. They don't have barns that they can kind of collect their stuff and put it away for later. And so you got to think of a scavenger bird or a vulture. Vultures, they're nasty animals. They're scavenger animals. They are totally dependent from meal to meal to meal to meal. And Jesus says to us, consider the ravens. They neither soar store nor reap nor gather in the barns and it says this yet God feeds them we must trust in the provision of God if God is willing to care for the ravens how much more will he not care for us he will provide for us and so when we worry we're really distrusting the provision of God that God really won't come through the way God's word says he will come through. God will provide for us. So let us be reminded of the raven this morning. That even that scoundrel of an animal. That God has cared for it. And then he goes on to talk about how much more valuable are we than the birds. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to your lifespan? If you are not able to do these small things as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And then he says, I'm going to come back to that, that verse in a moment. Three things we see in that verse. But then he says this, now consider the lilies. The, the lilies were a flower. We, we have this mindset of a lily, especially this time of year, the Easter lilies. That's not what the word means. That's not the word Jesus was using. What Jesus was saying was the, the, the common everyday flower that grows in the field. Uh, the pretty little flowers. And he says this about the lilies. They neither toil nor spin. What does that mean? They don't toil or spin. They don't do anything. Those flowers are useless to everything. They, they bring no value to us other than their beauty. But then he says this, even their value is but momentary. They're here today and gone tomorrow. Today they look beautiful. Tomorrow they're thrown into the fire to continue the fire. And he says this about us and the lilies. He says, yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But God so clothed the grass, which is alive today and tomorrow is gone how much more will he clothe you? So again, he says, hey, if God would clothe those lilies, how much more are we than the lilies? So he's saying to us, hey, he'll provide for the ravens food and he provides shelter for the flower. How much more are we than birds and flowers? He will provide for us. Do we believe in the provision of God? 
You see worry or anxiety back to what he says in that one verse in 24 and 25. How can we not add one single hour to our life? You see, when we get consumed and wrapped up with worry, it does three things. Three primary things. The first thing is this. Worry or anxiety is a thief. It robs us of three things. It's a thief. Satan uses anxiety and worry to rob us of these three things. The first thing we see is this. It robs us of our time. I don't know about you, but this week, last week, I've sat on my couch and just thought and thought and thought and thought about this coronavirus. My mind has been all over that idea. I've lost so much time, so much worry around this disease. I can't tell you how many times I hit the refresh button on Google about the Corona update to see how many more cases were confirmed, how many more deaths are confirmed, how, how big is this thing going, when is it going to get here, what's going to happen to me, how is this going to affect me, do I go to work, do I not go to work, all this time has been consumed by my anxiety and my anxiety says this, if I can think hard enough about it, then I can find the problem I can find the solution to the problem. So my brain gets caught up in trying to find a solution. There is no solution to this other than trusting the Lord. So the first thing that worry does it or anxiety does, it robs us of our time. Next, it does this. It robs us of our rest. I, I don't know about you, but if my mind is always racing, I cannot rest. Yesterday, as I sat on the couch preparing this message, I, I had this this, this three, four hour long moment. Uh, it just felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. I could not rest. No, no matter all the techniques, no matter all the training I had, no, all that practice that I put into place, the breathing wasn't helping, the, the putting headphones in with meditation music was not helping. I, it was robbing me of just being restful. And then last night I was finished sermon prep and done my quiet time, laid in the bed and fell pretty quickly to sleep. And if you ever had this experience, it's like you've been feel like you've been sleeping for a long time and you wake up like as wide as awake as possible and you look over at the clock. That's what I did. Looked over at the clock and it had been 45 minutes at, since the last time I had looked at the clock. And then for the rest of the night, I just tossed and turned, tossed and turned just consumed with, hey, will Facebook Live work? What will this, will we be able to pull this off? Or, I mean, you name it, I was thinking it. Will I remember everything? Will I miss announcements? Will people tune in? Like, it, my whole brain was just consumed. It robbed me of being restful. And the last thing it does, it does this. Worry robs us of our health. If I'm not sleeping and I'm not resting and I'm being robbed of my time, I'm going to get physically sick. If you've ever had anxiety and you've felt physically sick, this is what it has. There's a physiological response, a biological response to our anxiety. We get sick. And yet, God tells us, why do we, Jesus tells us in this passage, the reason we don't consider God's provision. Just Five little words, he says. He says, you of little 
faith. You have little faith. The, the antidote to my anxiety, the antidote to your anxiety is faith. And so when I am worrisome and I'm anxious, I, I've got to do an inventory of where's my faith? Is my faith in what's going on or is my faith in the one who's in control of what's going on? And so what is faith? Hebrews 11:1 tells us. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You see, when I'm worried and I have anxiety, it re- re- reveals to me my unbelief, my lack of faith in the sovereign God. God's word tells us he's in control of all things. He is in control of this. He is not scampering around heaven with his hair on fire thinking, what has gone wrong? How do I fix this? How do I stop this? No, he is still sitting sovereignly in control on his throne as peaceful as it gets as he looks over the landscape of the world. This is not caught him by Surprise. And so this morning, have I considered the provision of God? Am I really trusting in the promises of God that God says to us through Jesus that our lives are much more valuable than ravens and lilies and he's provided for them? He will provide for us. It's what the psalmist believed and trusted in. And when he said these few words in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He believed in the provision of the Lord. The next remedy to my worry is this. So I'm to consider the provision of God. And now he says this in verses 29 through 31. He he says this in 29. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. He says, Jesus, he says, don't seek these things. God knows you need them. We aren't to seek these things because God already knows what we need. He says, so instead of seeking these things, what are we to seek? He says that we are to seek the kingdom of God. The key word in those few verses is the word seek. The word seek in the original text means this. To seek after with all of your heart. To make it your main objective. To search intensely for To seek diligently for. To have a strong desire for. So I ask you as I ask myself in preparing this. What is my heart seeking after? Am I seeking after the things of the world? Am I diligently seeking after those things? Or am I seeking the kingdom of God? You see... It's what I seek after that will show me, my heart, why I believe I'll find the most relief. If I'm seeking after the Lord, is my relief in the things of the Lord or my things, is my desire, my pleasures, the things of this world? If I'm honest, 
today with you, I've found myself oftentimes seeking after the things of the world. Even this week as I was preparing for this message, I got an email. Uh, if you don't know this about me, I love shoes. I'm a huge uh, shoe guy. I probably have too many in my closet, but I love shoes. And uh, an email from Kohan came across. And for the next hour, I was just scrolling Kohan for all their major sales they're having. Not, not really think I'd buy the shoes, but just something to preoccupy my mind to get me away from my anxiety. You see, I was seeking relief in the things of this world. I can't tell you how many hours in the last couple of weeks I've just been browsing on Amazon. Scroll after scroll after scroll. Now, I would say like, oh, okay, that's okay. But when I really look at my life, if I'm honest, I've not been seeking God's kingdom. That is where my relief ought to come from. I've been seeking the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, to give me relief from my anxiety. I've had those strong desires, and it's robbed me of seeking the things of the Lord. He says, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Now, here's what's the last point is this. It's do I trust in God's character? You see, when I'm seeking after the things of the world, my heart and my mind don't believe in God's character. Because this is what the text says in verse 32 through 34. It says this, Fear not, little flock. Fear not the church. Fear not us who belong to Jesus. He says this, for it is our Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he says, seek the kingdom, and it's God's character, it's God's goodness to us. He wants to give us his kingdom. That word means gladly in the text. So it says his, his good pleasure. Other versions say he's gladly to give us. The Greek word means this, to delight in or to, to take pleasure in. It's God's pleasure to give us his kingdom. He's not wanting to withhold it from us. He desires to give it to us. The same if you're a mom or, or dad listening. Is it not your good pleasure to give you, give your children the thing that brings them desires? Like it, for me, when I give gifts to Tennyson and Cedar, I, I probably get more desire and more satisfaction giving them a gift and watching them open and watching them enjoy it than I do if they give me a gift. Like I love watching Tennyson. I love watching Cedar just put together Legos after hour after hour after hour. There's a delight in my soul, and that's what it says, that God's character is twofold. That first he delights in giving us things. Do we believe that God delights to give us these things? He doesn't begrudgingly give us his kingdom. He delights in giving us his kingdom. But there's another key word in the text. It's not just his good pleasure that he does it. It says this. It is though he is our father that gives us these things. He is a good, good father that delights in giving his children what their hearts long for and desires. And he knows if we will wrap our hearts and minds around his kingdom, 
That is what will take care of our anxiety and our worry. Because the things of this world will fade away when we look at God's kingdom. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe, do we trust in God's character? That God is a father and that God is good. Here's what the psalmist says about this, about who God is. It says this. Oh, taste and see. This is Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10, 15 and 19. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. Catch that in the verse. For us who fear him, there is no one. There is no anxiety. There, there is no worry because we believe in the goodness of God that he will provide for us. The young lions, they, young lions, do they lack and suffer hunger? But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Catch those last two verses. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We are being afflicted. Where hearts are being afflicted. This is chaos. They're bringing great affliction to us. But it says the Lord delivers them out of all of them. Do we believe that about God, that God will deliver us from this chaos. This is the way Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount, right after he pretty much preaches these words from Luke. He says this about the goodness of God and the goodness of a good God and a good Father. He says this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door shall be opened. Verse 9. Which of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those he asks. God desires to give us good gifts. I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, in our anxiety, we are not considering the things of God. We're not considering his provision. We're not seeking after his kingdom, and we're not trusting in his character. So I'd ask you this morning, these three questions. Will you today take a few moments to consider all that God has provided for us? Even in the midst of this chaos, God is still providing. The next is, will you and will I, will we, the church here at Powell's Chapel, seek the kingdom of God? Because God desires to give it to us. And lastly, will you, will I, will we, the church, trust in the character of God, both as Father and as good? You see, there will be anxiety. 
But the antidote to our anxiety is our belief that we would be a people of a church that would have a faith in God, his provision, his kingdom, and his goodness to us. God is in the midst of our storm. Let us rest in that this morning. Let me pray. God, I come to you and make confession and repentance. Those places in my life that I've not considered your provision. And yet your word tells us over and over again that you will provide for us. That's not the prosperity gospel, God. That's just us believing that you will provide for us. Because ultimately, God, your great provision is that we will spend eternity with you forever and ever. And so if we die on this planet because of the chaos of this world, we can rest assured your provision has been granted to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And because of that provision, we have access to the heavenly places. So our earthly provision may not be taken care of the way we want, but our eternal provision has been greatly provided for us at a cost of your son's life for us. And God, I make confession this morning that I have not sought your kingdom the way I need to. I've sought other things, other places of relief other than your kingdom, the things of you. I pray, God, that you would help me with that today, this afternoon. And lastly, God, I pray and make confession that I haven't believed in you as Father or you as good. Now, my mind would say that, but my heart has shown otherwise, and I make confession. You are a good Father to us. So continue to lead us, continue to guide us through this chaos. God, I pray that we, a people, as a church, would rest in your goodness and you would walk with us in our anxiety and our worry. I'm, I'm glad, God, that you do not give up on us when we worry and we do not trust you. We don't remember your kindness and your goodness and your love to us, your provision for us, and we don't seek after your kingdom where we ought to, but God, we are grateful to you that you, though we wander, you've never wandered from us. And so I pray that you would hold us fast through this chaos. You are a good and kind God. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus.